Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step -step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. Being an upland hunter in the South nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You'll hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think you would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogyourself.com and complete the contact form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Profile. This week we have my buddy Jacob Bliss on the line. Jacob, how you doing? Pretty good. I said on the line, but you're actually sitting right here in front of me. You can tell I'm used to saying the same thing over and over again, introducing <laughs> this stuff. Uh, go ahead, man. Start off with the obvious. Tell everybody where you're calling from and what kind of dog you run. My name's Jacob Bliss. Uh, I run a GSP named Lola. She's around 18 months, 19 months old. Uh I wouldn't say we've had a hunting season together. We've been out a couple times, but... Uh, Y'all had your elementary, your intro yeah. season is what yeah. I like to call it. The freshman year, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah the sophomore season's yeah. the the hunting season, yeah. right? The yeah. freshman season's always a little, little rough. It's like, all right, you know, if you get anything cool, if you don't, it's like, well, it's right. puppy season. Yeah. It is what it is. Uh, what made you go with a GSP? I took a trip with a buddy, Joey Bell, out west to, you know, see Yellowstone. Turkey hunting, I'm assuming, if you know Joey Bell. Not actually turkey hunting. All we right. were just out there sight and seeing for the most part, uh, just trying to get our heads right and everything. And we stopped in a little outdoor store, and there was this little GSP that just followed you around. And I'm sure she was probably around 9 or 10 years old, and she'd just lean up against you and, you know, <laughs> wanted some pets. Uh, so I was like, oh, that's a great demeanor dog. Uh, <laughs> so hold on, hold on. The German short hair that has has the the common uh, reputation of of maybe not like on your average basis just having a calm demeanor in right. the house. You know, it, we know that there's exceptions to the rules here. Like my mine is that exception to the rule as well. But like you just picked one, and you're like, that's a pretty chill dog. I think I can get that, and you end up with a German short hair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, and it took me oversimplified. It, it took me years to end up end up getting a dog after like you know okay, working so. on my own. Like I didn't get a dog until uh, uh, see that trip was back in 2015. And I just, so it stuck with you for a few years yeah, before you acted. It's on like it. okay, that's the kind of size dog I like. I would like. I don't want a really big dog or anything like that. And uh, I like. A, I've always had a female dog, and the female seemed to have a fairly good demeanor. Uh, 
and uh just going down through everything else it, you know german short hair of course they're beautiful dogs in general yeah. everybody's t- is going to tell you that everywhere you go uh they're athletic they're smart uh they're just cool dogs and they're cool dogs so it was it was on your mind since meeting them at this outdoor store yeah. you know the dog made a, fir- a great first impression with you uh you're not the only one living at the house though, right? Right. You got a wife. So she wasn't there at that outdoor store. She didn't get to see this one dog. How did you go home and sell this to your wife? Well, uh, Obviously see. took a few years. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> took a few years. Mainly because we have a 16-pound cat that is a scaredy cat. Uh, so if, if I'm sitting on the couch, the cat's fine. Go jump up. Say, hey. Doesn't get in your face. She's a great cat. Yeah. But if I'm vertical, that cat is upstairs, gone, gone somewhere. So my wife has been had the cat longer than she's had me so uh that that plays a part in it as well so she was afraid that if we got a dog that the dog would terrorize the cat and the cat would die of a heart attack (laughs) Uh, so eventually i was like this cat's never gonna die yeah and i'm never gonna get a dog i got a couple buddies in that in that same role too like well that well that cat just go away (laughs) it's like this cat's never gonna die and i'm never gonna get my dog that i've always wanted so we're going to have to do something for my happiness. <laughs> y'all make a compromise, like cat goes upstairs, dog downstairs. Well, I, I went ahead and just put a deposit on a dog and said, this is happening. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is going down. Yeah. So this had to happen. Now I was like, you get to name the dog. We're going to get a female dog, which she was okay with having a female dog as well. Uh, and you get to pick out which puppy out of the litter. Nice. And she wanted one with more spots. Lola had more spots than the other dog. Go. So, yeah. So what made you decide on the breeder that you went to? Did you just look up local breeders? Did you get recommended? Did you talk to them? Kind of talk to me about, because everybody's first adventure into this is is usually pretty similar unless they have like a really good uh, mentor or somebody helping them guide them or something like that. I think uh, Divine Providence like shone down on me because I really didn't put as much thought as probably a lot of other guys did or research i looked on the facebook tennessee alabama georgia gsp page uh looked talked to a few different people that were had litters on there that were talking for some odd reason they just never worked out yeah it was probably a good thing and then i got a hold of old hickory kennels down in uh lawrenceburg tennessee or pulaski tennessee uh and got with him didn't get one out of the first litter uh got one out of the second litter that he came up with and uh it worked out really well it's it local breeder yeah it's it's honestly eye-opening how many times i've gone to a a training day or somebody comes over here is like hey i need help i don't you know i got this dog i don't really know and it's out of the same breeder you know he's just one of those local guys who are like if you just want a hunting dog and a short hair, like he's one of the guys that you're going to look at. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a number of his dogs to where that compete in NAVDA. I've been yeah. in the field with a number of them. And while, you know, it's not a quote unquote NAVDA line, they're, they're proven that they can do it. Right. And, uh, and we also know that they can go out in Kansas and shoot some birds. I mean, like Austin's dad, mm-hmm. he, he has one out of the same litter. And, you know, he doesn't really do a lot of formalized training. Or, right. you know, he, did, he didn't really take to nabbed or anything like that. He just got a dog and he was like, I want to go shoot some quail. And they went up to Kansas and the dog figured it out. You know, it's just it, if the genetics are in there, the genetics are in there. Right. And so, 
that's kind of what we talked about today when you came down and, and we went and put a few pigeons down and we're going to see how, how it progresses to where it's like, it's in there somewhere. We know it's in there. We just yeah. got to bring it out to light, right? Mm-hmm. Repetition. Yeah. So you got the dog. First off, how did the cat situation go? Did you just kind of introduce him in the room and be like, all right, you guys get along? We just <laughs> we just didn't acknowledge it at first. And I actually have a really good video of the first time Allie saw Lola. She's on her dog bed right next to the couch. and Allie's Al- the cat, right? Al- Allie's the cat. Okay. And Allie's a calico, uh, 16-pound calico cat. And she's strolling through the kitchen. And, and uh, she... Lola's messing with her bone or whatever she's got on her bed with her, like being all cute. And Al- <laughs> Allie like just stops mid stride and looks at her and she's like, what the hell did you do? <laughs> you threw a wrench into my universe. <laughs> yeah. I had this whole place to myself and you did this to me. <laughs> Cat's going to kill me in my sleep. Yeah. So. Well, did it just walk off? I mean, do they get along now? No issues? She what? walked off. Now we keep. Lola has the downstairs. Allie has the upstairs. So I just guessed that. Uh, Like, you didn't tell me that. I just said it a minute ago. Did the cat get upstairs and dog downstairs? Yeah. Yeah. We put baby (laughs) gates up just in case. Now, even if we don't have, like, the gates, the gate will be open. And Lola, she just knows not to go up there because she's never been up there before. Yeah. Uh, And she just, like, uh, and they've seen each other. Like, she's, when she was more of a puppy, she broke upstairs one time. And she's. Stopped on the stairs and was like, what's that? But, uh, but I really don't think that she'd mess with the cat too much. She's had interaction with, with cats before. We have some friends that have some visuals and they have a cat oh, as well. Okay. So they've kept her for a little bit. So she's had an interaction yeah. with a cat before. But And, and Lola knows the smell. Yeah. I mean, it's like they live in the same house. Right. It's You know, they may put eyes on each other once in a blue moon, but it's like they're... You know, the, their scent card's going to check out, right? <laughs> yeah, she's like, you know, I'm I'm here. I'm yeah. supposed to be here. And Allie, like, meows incessantly at some right. point. So, Well, talk to me about the training. What was it like getting into it? Uh, you know, first gun dog. I think you said earlier that you've had dogs in the past, but uh, it's a little different than when all you're doing is trying to teach, like, sit and shake, right? You know, right. there are certain things that we want to build off of. So kind of walk me through your mindset what was your process kind of downloading that information and just getting started on something so like just a little background on you know the uh, decision making of well like if i was going to get a dog my wife wanted it to be very obedient didn't Mm -hmm. want you know something chewing on it or you know wanted it to listen to us and be a good dog uh so obedience was a big thing when we first started off uh we did get a trainer sort of in the beginning, but like he came by and just gave us a sheet of stuff to do, work on as a puppy. He's like, I don't teach anything or train any dogs until they're like five months. Okay. He's like, before five months, it's, you're just beating your head against the wall for the most part. So he gave us a few things to do, like mainly asserting dominance to your puppy. Like, okay. so he's like, never let the dog go through the door before you. Yeah. Uh, whenever you're feeding, don't let the dog just go up and eat the food. Until you tell it to, yeah. Until you tell it to. Uh, so we worked on those things and like, those just kind of rolled over into sit and recall and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so at the time COVID, everybody knows COVID was. Was what it was. (laughs) Raging and COVID puppies were a thing. So, uh, I was lucky enough in my job that I was working night shift, but it wasn't too bad. So I on the off times I would 
train the dog during the day for the most part. So she picked up a lot of the obedience stuff pretty well. Uh, and then met Harold and, you know, so he started hitting me up. He's like, Hey, let's do some training. I can come over and show you a few things. Yeah. So, uh, Harold, the mentor, right. Who would have thought Just trying to Miyagi me. <laughs> so what was it like? You said that you, you kind of felt good. She's catching on to the obedience and everything. Is there a point to where like, all right, you know, we're doing obedience, but it's a hunting dog. Right. You know, what? It, what's the first steps there? Are you just looking at Harold and be like, hey, you know, what? can we go hunting? Like, what? what's your mindset? Well, first off, I was thinking like, because my wife didn't want a hunting dog. She didn't want the, she thought the prey drive of the GSP would, you know. Translate in the house. Translate into the house and the cat and things like that. So, it's like, what can I do with this dog to keep it a hunting dog, but not give it a fur per drive <laughs> give it a job but yeah. yeah i get i'm following something that we can do outside to keep the energy off them and tired dogs are good dogs so you know bring them out bring her home at the end of the day and right. she's docile and listens to you everybody knows after you've run the dog two to four miles they they listen a little bit better <laughs> yeah. they're a little more friendlier to you <laughs> yeah uh so i was like okay I'm going to teach the dog to shed hunt. So okay. Went down that road for a little bit and got the whole fake uh, antler and everything and the scent and whatnot. And we'd play in the house and it just never really translated it outside. So uh, so she she would do it in the house. You just never really took that step outside? Yeah. we'd I'd try it outside, but then around five months, five, six months, that's when everything else became more interesting. That, that nose started becoming a little... Yeah. Uh, searchable (laughs) yeah it's like i'm gonna go find something yeah so for the first like five months she was just kind of like nose to the ground out there kind of oblivious to anything going on squirrels birds didn't didn't care she was just like nosing around never looked up in the nose uh after that about five or six months that's when she started kind of pointing on stuff and that's when everything else got more interesting and uh antler a whole just, new world antler just was not that interesting so i still take her out shed hunting i just go to high you know uh likely places yeah and if there's a white antler sticking out there i'm like go get it and she'll go retrieve it and that's about as good but sending her into like a you know thicket she's not gonna just go in there and that's that's i think i mentioned this on the shed dog episode we did not too long ago uh with dog bone it's uh you know if you bought the fake antler you probably bought his yeah Uh, yeah and so but that that's kind of how i've always treated shed hunting with mine to where it's like if they're in the woods and it's painfully obvious like it's just white just staring at them they'll pick it up bring it back to me or i'll see it and i'll send them send them Mm -hmm. in to go get it but i haven't focused on searching and quote-unquote hunting a a, a shed uh but the dogs that do that man it's it's neat watching them do it it's just like they'll they'll work the cover just like they do for birds and Mm -hmm. come out with a shed and it's like hey you know you you teach them that's high value right then they'll go do it so what did uh what did you start doing when she started exploring with that nose and venturing out? You know, it's like you had the shed dog thing in mind, but, you know, mama over here doesn't want a hunting dog. Right. Your dog's starting to hunt. Uh, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, now, because we have a big park where we where we live. So it was great to go take her out there. And it's very visual. There's not a lot of scent going into it, but like places full of robins. Yeah. Uh, you know, starlings all over the place. So like, going out there and taking her out there 
she would just run out and creep up, point, and it's like, that's what this dog is meant to do. We got to... I <laughs> got to encourage it. Yeah. yeah. We can't just let this go to waste. This d- this makes this dog happy, which translates into me being happy, and my wife seeing the dog be happy makes her happy. Yeah. So uh, if it's just hunting birds, that's fine. And you know, coming home nice and tired and want, wanting to snuggle on the couch, <laughs> uh, that makes my wife happy as well. Yeah. So I think she's kind of become more in tune to like okay yeah just you know having a hunting dog isn't mean that it's going to kill everything no no and and it doesn't take long to as if you're around other people with hunting dogs it only takes a few for for them to see like how they are in the house and and if they if they're in a house that somebody actually pr- you know took pride in the obedience or the setup like like you were talking about earlier it's just we really want an obedient dog then it's really eye opening on what the dogs inside the house can right. can do and they they know the difference between training or hunting field and inside Definitely. the house uh the people that say they don't know the difference are the people that don't put the strong obedience foundation mm-hmm. on them so what did you do you know the dog's starting to hunt she's coming around to it your your wife's seeing that like hey you know she's meant to hunt she's meant to hunt is that when you said hey jacob or not jacob harold hey harold Let's go hunting, and I know you guys did a couple quail trips out, woodcock. Mm-hmm. I think you you attempted a few things on woodcock. Kind of walk me through the learning curve of upland, because I know you're a killer on other things, but upland's a little different beast. Yeah, uh, so Harold came over to the house. We had some had some uh, some off-brand quail. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, I like that, that off-brand. <laughs> that, uh, that don't... Uh, that don't flush too well, but for putting scent down and you know, like giving a visual, you know, was something for Lola to work get their at. nose on. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, and she did point for the most part at some of them. And she started to get that little repetition, and and that was good for uh, to know that like, hey, this is what I could be doing out here. And it was just behind the house, and not a big deal. I did introduce her to a gunshot at that point, but she didn't react too well to that scenario so we backed Back off off from that and i just you know just around the house every now and again we'd be out and i'd shoot the gun off and whatnot and we're not too anytime it's messing around or seeing yeah. birds right yeah and now she did find a day with it yeah now a gunshot means like something's on the ground like yeah. i'll find it so she she definitely doesn't shy away from it anymore uh, but that's a, for those listening that maybe haven't that they're on their first puppy or they haven't done gunshot that's a very good thing to call out is y'all attempted it on live birds mm-hmm. you're trying to associate live birds with the gunfire as you should you know but take a step back yeah. you you saw that she didn't really respond that great to it and you just took the step back and was like all right we're gonna slow roll this and now you don't have any issues with the dog mm-hmm. it's when you see that sign it's like you know what i just want to do one more let's just see yeah. if i notice that that issue on the first one then you do it then now we got a problem that is going to take a while to fix don't keep badgering something yeah. just flooding is not i think that's what they call it in psychology is flooding there you go uh it's not going to work with a dog for the most part they'll either love it or learn to hate it if you do that to them right so. So you did the gun intro. What, what what there? Yeah, I know. Is this where you all of a sudden y'all go out and you're like, eh, let's just see if we stumble upon some birds. So then I think that was early spring last year when uh, we did that stuff with Harold. Uh, then go through the summer, didn't do a whole lot. More just 
just kind of like, uh, you know, introducing her to new situations as being obedient dog, like, uh, you know, going to the dog park, being around other dogs, being around people, taking her to Lowe's, you know, things just to important get interaction. Yeah. It's, it's important. It's just not yeah. the sexy hunt stuff that right. we like. Yeah. Uh, and so then fast forward to dove season, I was like, okay. We're going to get some bird interaction here. It might not be like the upland bird hunting situation, Searching but, point, but this, yeah. this can be an outlet for her to have a good time. Uh, Harold was a little, when I consulted my mentor, Harold, he was a little <laughs> hesitant on me taking her out there. And the first, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, I thought I broke the dog for a little bit, but I, I think it was more of like uh, the heat that got her down and yeah. she's like, it's a thousand degrees out here. There's a lot of people and a lot of gunfire. And uh, so, like, but once she saw birds start hitting the ground and, like, hey. Piecing it together. Yeah, piecing it together. She's like, okay, this is great. And kept her next to me. She did a great job staying with me. Nice. Then sending her. And then if I couldn't, if we didn't visually see the bird go down, I'd walk out with her, take her to the area, and she'd search and. So she's retrieving the birds with you yeah. on the on the first outing. She's retrieving the birds great. I even, like the last bird that we lost in the woods or I shot and went into the woods, we both went in and we were searching around and I kind of gave up on it and my buddy Joey was leaving so I went out to say goodbye to him and we were sitting there talking and next thing you know, she comes out with the bird in her mouth and that was such a proud dad <laughs> dad moment that I was like... I just quit, you know, talking and yep. like more into the dog at that this, point. This is why I got the dog, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's stuff like that. You'll never forget that. So after that, you're hooked. You're like, all right, I, I, I want to take this dog. I want to go hunting. And then that's when you when you start quelling woodcock yeah. hunting. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what can I do around the house? I, I don't really know of anywhere to go. As, and everybody knows in Tennessee quail is just kind of almost non-existent for the most part they're supposedly still here I mean you you can find them on some private I mean there are some public coveys but uh don't don't shoot them <laughs> yeah and you definitely don't talk about them around people. right uh, yeah. and so I was like okay what's there what's something close that I can take the dog out and go do I was like okay woodcock yeah let's go let's go beat the bushes around the lake for woodcock I've jumped them up before. It'll be something to get her in there. And we put on some miles, and we finally, I was like, God, this dog's going to get so discouraged. If she wasn't out you know, running a deer every now and again, she would get really upset that she was out here. But she just loves being outside and running yeah. around for the most part. And then we finally, she busted up a woodcock and fluttered up. I missed the shot, obviously. Go figure. Go That's figure. how it goes. And, but... Just to see that switch turn on after that, oh, she yeah. she just went around that next that area for like ten minutes straight. Had a whole new field search out of her. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely intentional at that point. So you connected the dots. You know, obviously you would have liked to hit the bird, but it was still good enough for her to realize there's game out here yeah. and I want to find it. Yeah, it's like there's something in here. How do I do that again? And of course, we never <laughs> bumped up another woodcock, but and we even tried to go after that one, but it just wasn't the same. Wasn't so. in the cards. Uh, but then when we hit up a few quail hunts with Harold, and uh, you know, we eventually got some birds up in her face. Like the last evening we went out, so she had some wild quail come up in her face. So yep. you're able to connect the dots on woodcock earlier in the season yep. and actual wild quail, right? 
which again, people listening, they don't really understand our areas. It's like there are quail out there, yeah. but you 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 gotta want it. You don't want to have to. You don't have to want it as bad as the grass, right. but the quail there you got to work for them and this was on a buddy's uh a guy that i work with his father-in-law's place up in kentucky and uh you know it took us all day and we got a few coveys up and you know got a few birds and she got a retrieve she didn't she was unfortunate like didn't have enough or didn't get the birds up herself or like point on them yeah until that last push through and me and Harold were off on another lane and my buddy and Lola were in the first lane, almost right next to the driveway. <laughs> and next thing you know, we hear, we hear a shot and then we hear, or we see quail flying off in front of us. And we're like, <laughs> where are these quail coming from? <laughs> and, uh, so it was Lola and Alex over there and I don't know if she pointed or not. I didn't get to see that, yeah. but they were definitely up in her face. Like she was right there in the action. So. Yeah. So, uh, what's your goals with her this this hunting season? Just connect the dots even more, it, or you know, do you have anything specific that you're aiming for? I'm a disservice to my dog in that I don't get out and train her as much as I should, or the opportunities that I should. I need to get more bird contacts. That's for sure. Just to get that repetition in, and be like yeah. drive home that that's what we're out to do. Uh, and then, you know, do some trips to be intentional about hunting and yeah. get her out there. And yeah, Once you get that full sequence, the dog goes on point, like beautiful search, 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 slams a point or a back, whatever. Bird gets up, you shoot it, they bring it back. You're going to be hooked. Yeah. And you mentioned when she's running deer. So are, are you talking about like just tracking deer? What are you doing with her in terms of, of deer? Well, uh... I've never tracked deer with her. Uh, she did get to track the eight point that I shot behind the house last year, which okay. it wasn't really much of a track job, but she got to follow the scent up to the, the dead deer, which she got, she was really excited about. She was very uncertain. <laughs> it's like she'd go 10 yards and I'd get up to her shoulder and she'd be like, okay, I'll go a little further. <laughs> Just keep pushing. Yeah. And that's, that's what the young ones are going to do, man. They're going to yeah. test it. It's just yeah. like they smell it. And it's just like, how close can I get? They're figuring out that boundary. They're yeah. figuring out the bird's bubble or, you know, any scent cone bubble. Yeah. And yeah. so, other than that, like, when we've been out to the WMA before, if she gets on a deer, I'd bark okay. and would, would chase. And so, we've nipped that in the butt with the e-collar, and she, she doesn't that. do that as much. Yeah. Uh, or I'm very quick to not let her do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Harold's your mentor. Uh, I know that he's probably told you, listen to this episode, this episode, and this episode. Uh, is there an episode that, since you've been listening to us, since you found found Harold and found us, that stands out in your in your eyes? That like just it, it captured your attention, whether it was something that taught you something or just a guess that you just really enjoyed the episode. Uh, the episode on tracking, uh, the guys from Africa that. Uh, Jay, he, yeah, yeah. He used the GSPs to track, and he trains those dogs to. Uh, did he track them or poachers or? Oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah. tracking man. He, yeah, yeah. He's going after the like, real deal. <laughs> I was like, man, that these dogs can do anything, and yeah. that's basically what it is. Especially with the GSPs, and you know, they can do anything you train them to do. Yeah, they're well, there to make you proud yeah. for the most part. I'm glad you said that. Cause, I mean, that's secretly one of my favorite episodes and, and it's episode 101 I, I have that one memorized right now uh but it's one of my favorite ones like just 
everything that he talks about in there, building, uh, you know, making something of low value a high reward for the dog, you can apply that to any dog training. You know, a lot of people there are just like, oh, tracking, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to that episode. But there's so much minor stuff that if you just listen to, you know, the why instead of the how in that, you can apply that to so many different things. Uh, before you go, before we wrap this up, I got to ask you one question to ask everybody. Give me one example of a training session or something that you just royally screwed up as a handler that we can all relate to. Because we've all been there to where it's just like, man, this really blew up in my face really quick. Uh, is, there, is there like one training session or evening that stands out in your mind? Oh, I think definitely probably uh, my first NAVDA training session. Uh, she did really good when one of the, the old head guys was going around with me. And so then I tried to replicate that uh, going on a few more times with birds. Uh, and then she kind of messed up. And I kept mm. kept pushing her to kind of do the right way. And then I should have just quit right there yeah. and should have just let her end it on a win. win. And, and uh, you know, just left it at that for the day and let her build on the, her success from last yeah. time. So. Take the easy win. I mean, we we talked about that briefly right. when we ran her out today. You know, we just put three pigeons out to her and, and might do it again before you leave. But uh, I told you before we went out there what to expect right. each bird, right? You know, and it's just like it was progressing. Uh, I, I wish that second bird that she was facing mm-hmm. the other way. It's like it, it just it would have done so much good for her to see that bird launch right in front of her when she started to take that testing yeah. step, but she was just looking the other way. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens with swirling winds. Uh, but stuff like that, it's like you have to be able to take the win or just move on. Right. And, you know, if you, if you bullheadedly just, I'm going to make this sequence work, then more often than not, you're going to kind of make, like you'd be better just backing out of there mm-hmm. and regrouping and be like, you know what, we'll do another session this evening. Right. Then force it in. And it sounds like that's what the trap you fell into that we've all fallen into at the mm-hmm. NAMDA training day is like, no, nope, I planted that bird. We're going to use it. And it's right. like, you'd be better off going back to the truck and uh, going to get that bird for later. Exactly. And uh, yeah, just, just not pushing the dog any more than they need to because then they get frustrated you get frustrated and they can they can tell your demeanor as well yeah so besides bird contacts is there anything else as we wrap this up that like you're really paying attention to right now that you want to clean up or get ready for this hunting season i mean i i'm learning just as much of or if not more as the dog is right now because i mean she's got all the working parts for everything built into her already I just got to learn how to train her myself. So learning from y'all is is a big part of this and me coming out. Yeah. Well, let's turn this off and let's get back out there and go train the dog. All right. A few more pigeons. Thanks for listening to GDIY. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting.
Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again and a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.